Coming up on Chasing the Natty, week six is in the books, and we're here to bring you everything you need to know from this past week's games. We'll be discussing everything from the most impactful games to whether the freakout is warranted over a couple of top players. And then, as always, we have the brand new set of waiver wire pickups for you guys to sink your teeth into this week. All this and more coming right after this. Looking to Jared Stearns, who makes the catch and scores. What a burst! Trey Vaughn Anderson! As advertised, touchdown, Buckeyes! This is Chasing the Natty, a college fantasy football podcast. All right, welcome in everybody. This is Jared Palmgren, host of the Chasing Natty podcast. I hope you guys have a wonderful ride to your work on this Monday morning. Uh, week six, it's come and gone again. We're, we're again right at the halfway point through the season. Lots of great games yesterday for the most part. A lot of games that I think have started to set the stage for the rest of the season. I kind of started looking a little bit more at the polls because, like. Now we have had plenty of games play. I think the polls are kind of um, kind of settling themselves out a little bit. Uh, we kind of know who are the top teams to look for in every conference at this point. It, it's, it, was, it was a pretty fun Saturday of football, I would say, overall. As always, uh, we got Mr. Nate Marquise here to help us out to recap the week and to give us waiver wire picks. Nate, how are you doing today, sir? I'm doing great, man. Uh, another Saturday in the books. I'm I'm recovering from from my Sooners getting totally dismantled yesterday, uh, but Grandma and Grandpa were kind enough to uh, to babysit my two year old today just to give us some free time to get some things done around the house. There you go. Um, enjoy some coffee without any distractions. So it's uh, it's actually been a really uh, enjoyable day so far. And I'm sure your daughter's loving loving hanging out with uh, her grandparents. Oh yeah, oh yeah. They're uh, she loves going over there and and terrorizing them for, for a few <laughs> <Yeah>. hours, and, <laughs> and she gets she kind of gets what she wants when she goes over there. So oh, of course, uh, de- definitely fun for her as well. That's that's so. the best part about not being the parents. Like I, I I don't have any kids yet, but I have two nieces, and so like they, every once in a while they'll like um, I'll babysit them and everything like that. And again. It's great because you get to hand them back at the end of the day. And so you don't have to live with the consequences of what you do with them. So, yeah. yeah. The one thing I have, I have re- the one thing I've realized over the last uh, six weeks now is watching football games with a two year old is way more challenging than I anticipated. I'm, I'm like, it'll be right during the middle of, you know, a really crucial part in the game. And I look over at her and she's like halfway up the wall climbing. Jump <laughs> something. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> Can you please not kill yourself right now or have a massive head injury before, uh, before this big play, <laughs> just exactly. try to chill for a second. So it's, uh, it's, it's certainly an entertaining, um, uh, and and I have to juggle uh, a few things while I'm trying to watch the games now. No, no, I I I believe it again. I I am many many years away from being able to take care of my own child, so I 
<laughs> I will not have to deal with that for many years to come. Uh, Nate, we got an awesome show ahead for everybody here today. Again, we're going we're gonna to talk about some of these games. We're going to talk a little bit about some of the injuries that happened yesterday. We'll get into a couple of players that we need to tell people whether the freakout is warranted on them or not. And then, as always, we'll dive right into the um, waiver wire pickups, who you should be picking up this week. Uh, lots of great names there for you guys. So, Nate, which games did you kind of have your eye on and which ones do you think kind of provided us the most answers to questions we might may have had? So... I I was primarily watching in, in the early slate TCU and Kansas. It was just, man, it was, I don't know if either one of those teams are really that good, but there, there's just a ton of creativity in the way those offensive systems are ran. And they're two totally different systems, but they're really, really entertaining to watch. Yes. So it was, it was fun seeing those two teams. It was kind of a bummer to see uh, Jalen Daniels go down so early in that game. Yeah. Uh, but even still being put on a nice show and it was, you know, it was back and forth total shootout. And my boy, Quentin Johnson, came I would say, let, for let, me. let's celebrate your, your boy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So for those of you that don't know, I, I, uh, made a post in our Slack channel, um, amongst all the CFF guys over at campus to Canton. I said, okay, this is it. This is the breakout week for Quentin. Here it comes. And I doubled down. I said, I'm even going to trade for him in, in the leagues that I can. And I did. And I posted it on Twitter. And sure enough, my man came through. Uh, Big like time, just too. A, just, a, just a boss. Yeah, I was like, I was like, man, please get a touchdown just to top <laughs> off this incredible. Like, he'd never – I was looking through his stats. He's never received more than nine targets in a game. In fact, he's only received more than, like, seven targets, like, three times in his entire career. And I think he had, like, 15 targets or something like that. See the problem. The the problem with Quentin that oh, so. we all that we all know is the fact that he, we may not get this the rest of the season. I uh, I would love it because again, fifteen targets that tells me that like, hey, that they want to make him a focal point moving forward. But at the same time, like we've said that before, he did this against Oklahoma last year and then just didn't do anything for the next couple of weeks. He's probably going two for fifteen next week. Let's be real. Yeah, that's uh, that's the roller coaster ride that is uh, Quentin Johnston. So, but it was it was good to see him get off the uh, you know get off the mat and and perform pretty well at least for one week. So yeah, that game had my attention. Um, Oklahoma State, Texas Tech definitely had my attention. Those two offenses were were definitely going back and forth. It was fun to see the the Kitley offense really really rolling, um, and I was really interested to see what they looked like once I heard there was going to be some changes with their with their quarterbacks there so we'll, mm -hmm. we'll talk more about that but that was that was another one that caught my eye what, what about you uh news slate I, again i was watching tcu kansas on the other screen i had the lsu tennessee game mostly because again i had called earlier in the week i'm like lsu is going to upset tennessee and boy was i off the mark on that one uh, i think your your mistake was is that you're calling it at an 11 a.m. kickoff game, it's it's yeah. a totally different atmosphere. You're right. I I, I, th I thought about that later as I kind of as a week kind of went on, where I was just like, yeah, if this is at night, this would have been a done deal. But are you going to call it again this week? What uh, uh, Tennessee losing? They're going up against Alabama. No, 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 no. The 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 LSU upset for a 7 p.m. game. Oh Lord, who are they playing this week? I, I haven't even looked. They're playing Georgia, aren't they? No, we're not playing Georgia. Oh, so. okay, okay. Well, 
<laughs> I was trying to are bait you, you into I that. I was saying, trying to bait me into <laughs> Oh, good Lord, Nate. I do. Uh, I do. I did hear that uh, it will be a primetime game. when Because doesn't Georgia play on the road at LSU this year? No, we play at Mississippi State this year. Oh, uh, okay. Which right. I am not looking forward to that game. I actually think that's a really bad matchup for Georgia. Yeah, that'll be a, that'll be a, a really interesting situation with Leach's offense versus that Georgia defense. So well, last time last time we played, it was a one touchdown game. So, uh, but anyway, um, yeah, Tennessee absolutely dismantled LSU. Tennessee is for real this year. They are looking really good on the offensive side of the ball. I'm still not super trustworthy of their defense, and I think that's something that they're going to have to figure out uh, as they go through the gauntlet that is uh, Alabama and eventually Georgia. Um, I think that they'll be able to put up 35, but I think almost anybody, or I think both Georgia and Alabama are going to be able to put up 36 on them, that kind of deal. But I think Tennessee definitely has established themselves as a easily top 10 team right now. They've earned it, uh, and they, they showed exactly why. Now, granted, LSU is also missing their, I think their left or right tackle. They were missing one of their starting tackles. That was pretty good. And he uh, they, they terrorized LSU's offensive line basically all day because of that. So LSU wasn't able to be as performative on offense as I thought they might be. But also, again, it could also just be that Brian Kelly can't run an offense. So we'll see. Or and Denbrock. Yeah. Um, go ahead. I was I was looking to see. So that that Tennessee Alabama game coming up this next week is in Knoxville. So it is. Be, Alabama really opened cool. as an eight point favorite. So that that's gonna that dude that that atmosphere is gonna be insane. I cannot even imagine. Yeah, I, I wonder if we're gonna get back the the injured players between Bryce Young and um, what's his what's his face the uh, Tennessee uh, Cedric Tillman. So I, yeah. I wonder if I wonder if both of those guys have a chance to come back. It would be great to see both teams at full health because that's the kind of yeah. atmosphere you want in that scenario. Right. Right. Uh, afternoon slate. Obviously, I was, if if you're following me on Twitter and everything, I, I was at the Georgia game. I, I watched the Auburn game. Uh, Georgia did something that they haven't really been able to do all year, and that's just pound the rock constantly through that entire game. I think they had like well over 200 rushing yards. Stetson Bennett, awful first half. I think he only had 25 yards, and then ended the day with a little over 200, and also. Ru- basically outran the entire Auburn defense on a 64-yard touchdown. If you haven't found that dude, clip out there, he that was fast. awesome. Dude, he looked really no, fast. Dude, no, I'm I'm not kidding you. He has legit 4 or 5 speed. Like, Man. Stetson is, like, I, I wish that Monken and Kirby would let Stetson kind of run the ball just a little bit more, especially kind of like how Ashford was doing a little bit yesterday, where it's just like, if mm-hmm. nothing's there, just take off and run. I know we have a bit of a drop-off after Stetson. I know that that sentence in of itself is not great, but even so, like that would do the stadium atmosphere when Stetson took off and ran that ball the entire way, dude, oh, yeah. it, 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 that place absolutely erupted. That, that game yeah. was fun. Georgia ran away within the second half and everything. They got things going a little bit. Is it, is it going to be enough to get Harson the ax this week? Or are they, no, just I, saving, I, I, are they just saving him till the end of the season? And I maintain that he is walk. already fired, and they're just letting him ride out the rest of the season. Like yeah, I, yeah. I, the only thing I could see is that maybe they. I, I again, I don't think a loss to Georgia was ever going to fire Harson. I think it was if if they fired him in the middle of the season, it would be some. It would be over a game that they expected Auburn to win. Like if they had lost to Mizzou, that might have been enough to can him there. But even still, I think they're already working behind the scenes to. 
I think what they want, I think what Auburn wants to do is have their next head coach lined up so they can fire Harson and then almost immediately announce their next head coach so that they can then get the ball rolling on the recruiting class for next year. The the old Miami hurricane move, huh? Pretty much. That's exact. I, I think that's exactly what they're doing. It worked out pretty well for Miami in terms of their recruiting class. So, and then after the game, came home. Uh, basically, I had both the. I had the uh, USC Washington State game on as well, but in reality, I was paying most attention to the Alabama Texas A and M game, and I don't. It, it's it's one of those things where like. I wanted Bamba so badly to just blow him out, but like if this, the end result didn't surprise me a ton. What did you think about the game, Nate? Well, it certainly had my attention. I was curious what what Bama would look like with Milrow uh, running the show there, and obviously all the all the lead up into the game between the the off season. I don't know feud, I guess is what you could call it between Jimbo and and Saban. So I mean, there was a lot of build up, a lot of hype for that game. So. It was it was pretty entertaining. Um, it, it was good to see Jameer Gibbs, as much as I've doubted him being a workhorse guy, he's certainly turned into that um, yeah. in the two games that Bryce Young has been out. Uh, quick thoughts on Milrow. I still, I, I think Bill O'Brien might be one of the worst offensive coordinator fits for him. I, just, I agree. He had, he had 16 rush attempts, but like four or five of them were sacks and four or five of them were not even designed uh, run calls. They were just, Mm -hmm. they were designed passes. He missed his first or second read and just took off. Mm -hmm. So it's like, why set up a game plan for Jalen Milrow? If you're not going to run the ball, have more than like five or six or seven design runs. Like he's a guy that should be getting more of those. It's the same problem I've had with uh, Anthony Richardson in the fit of Florida right now. It's just, it's not a system fit. So, uh, but he's got a long ways to go passing the ball, but he sure is fun running the ball, man. Oh yeah. He, it it feels like that that uh, the Spider Man meme, him and Anthony Richardson, like pointing, pointing at, at each, each other. other, like like they they <laughs> they just they they seem so similar in that sense. Yeah, the only thing that Miller has is just better weapons. Which I mean, uh, finally Jermaine Burton had a pretty good day yesterday, so that was yeah. ha- I was happy to see him again, former Georgia player. So I'm, you know, I'm I'm, I'm rooting for his success, like. He's a good guy. So, um, they've, but they've got wide receivers. If you exactly. get them ball in space and ability to make plays with the ball in their hands, like they they have guys that are capable. Well, that's what Bama's been doing a lot. Of, again, Bryce Young to me, I think like obviously he he his deep ball is incredible. But at the same time, like Bama's offensive system, a lot of times has just been get the ball down the field five ten yards down the field and just let the let the playmakers on the outside just do what they do. Yeah, like it hasn't. It's not like they're constantly just bombs away. Um, so if Miller can do that, he'll be fine moving forward. I think I think I still think he is the next man up for Bama next year. And I'm not just saying that because I own Jalen Milrow everywhere in dynasties, uh, dynasty rosters. But yeah, at the same time, I I think I think he'll come along to be a very good quarterback for Alabama moving forward. Let's talk about this on the Texas A&M side of things. Overall, like they played their hardest in this game. I, I think they they did exactly what they're supposed to do. Uh, their offense at times looked a little bit better than I think we were getting credit for. Now, granted, they were spotted 14 points by Bama just constantly turning the ball over. And th- it, otherwise, this game just never would have been close. Um, and then we could talk about the absolute wet fart that was the last play. The, the, the last play that Texas A&M was given because of a pass interference call 
uh, in the end zone on their final drive. They had one play left to do, and the play call that was done was a one-read play call that was to throw to the corner of the end zone where Evan Stewart was, Yeah, and there was no backup plan. If Evan Stewart wasn't open, there was nothing that could be done, which was insane to me because earlier in the game, they had a very similar situation where... Haynes King like basically ran all the way to the right looking for a play and then threw all the way back across the field for a wide open tight end. I think it was Donovan Green. And it was it was completely like, hey, if, no, if nothing else is there, just throw back across the field. I don't know why they didn't try a similar play. Like give him multiple options yeah. at a crucial moment in the game. It was weird. And then I found out, and this is the whole point with... Uh, <laughs> I, know, I know exactly what you're going to say. This is, so Jimbo Fisher, I, I talked about on, on Saturday morning, if you watched Tailgate, we are talking about Jimbo Fisher, and I said that he has to fire the offensive coordinator that he has, because they're not going to fire him, but he, he's going to have to fire the offensive coordinator, and he's going to have to bring in somebody new from the outside if he wants to have any kind of success here. And I find it really funny, because I found out after the game, I knew this man was on the staff. I did not know that he had been elevated to, quote, offensive coordinator, but it makes all the sense in the world. James Coley is the same mm-hmm. offensive coordinator that Georgia had so when bad. Kirby had to finally make that decision to bring in somebody from the outside. And it, I find it so ironic that Texas A&M is now in the exact same position and they still have James Coley as, an, as a co-offensive coordinator for them. When do people realize... Like, James Coley is an incredible recruiter. That's his value. You yeah. want to have him on your staff, but he is not offensive play caller. No, he's, he's real bad. Um, I, I actually thought you were going to go a different direction, and that is... The, the word has come out that the Alabama uh, defensive back that was covering Evan Stewart has said that he was looking at Jimbo when they were about to run the play, and Jimbo was screaming, go to Evan, go to Evan, go to Evan. Oh, my God. And so the, the DB that was covering Evan Stewart was like, okay, well, I guess I'm up. I'm going to have to make a play here. And so it's just like, I'm like, that's the epitome of Jimbo is that He's not an offensive genius. It's literally the best thing he could come up with in the most crucial play of the game was a five-step drop for a, a really bad passing quarterback. Yeah. It into the end zone and the DB is sitting there knowing exactly what's coming. It's just uh it's a it's a really, really bad situation. Yeah. Again, I'm I I again it, I, a wet fart is all I could call it. Because again, literally I, I was I was on the phone with Xavier and our other buddy Tony and like we we were all like waited with bated breath of like all right what's AM gonna do here because they have one final chance here and they just absolutely blew it. Yeah. All righty. We talk about talked about this recap long enough. Let's go ahead and run through these injured players from yesterday and everything and then we'll get into the freak out scale and we'll get into the waiver wire. Big injuries yesterday. Jalen Daniels, quarterback out of Kansas, was taken out during the game. He fell on his right shoulder, could not play the rest of the game. Uh, That's a very unfortunate loss for Kansas. Uh, We'll get to their new starting quarterback right now, and we'll discuss how we think he'll perform. Uh, Doug Brumfield taken out early in the game against San Jose State. UNLV couldn't uh, couldn't really perform very well after that point offensively. The Ohio State running back situation is very interesting because Mayan Williams was a late scratch before this game. Suddenly he's out. Travion Henderson does play and does very well, but at one point goes down. I can't remember if it was the third or fourth quarter, and he's basically limping off the field. So OSU, as far as we know right now, is down two of their top running backs here. I'm sure we'll probably get one or two of them back next week, but even still, 
that's a banged up running back room right now and it looks like they're very cautious about how they want to treat those guys moving forward i think they know that they can probably win a lot of games without them but even still i think that's very interesting uh two top players from nc state yesterday devin leary and uh demi sumo slimy shark if you want to call him they both got injured in their game against florida state and they both look like that they've got some injuries that'll probably keep them out for a little bit Tyler Scott, a uh, right ankle injury uh, very early in the game against USF. That basically screwed a lot of people over yesterday because that is not something that he didn't record any stats at that uh, early in the game, and you can't replace him because technically he did play. Corey Kinder, another Cincinnati late scratch. All of a sudden, he was out. Uh, gave Charles McClellan a good uh, a chance to have a pretty good day there. Kanata Mumfield for Pittsburgh, he was out. C.J. Donaldson, obviously West Virginia didn't play this past week, but we can confirm he will be out against Baylor. Luther Burden, star freshman wide receiver for Mizzou, got banged up again this week. He was taken out uh, and probably will be uh, kept on watch for a good while. And then Nakia Watson also got injured in their, in Washington State's game against USC. Nate, any major analysis you want to give on any of those that I didn't give already or anybody you think we're missing? No, I mean, real quick, just with the, we've talked about it with the Ohio State backfield and really Ohio State, anybody that has injury situation going on, Ohio, sitting anybody that, um, that has any type of lingering issue. So they, they're yeah. just, they're just blowing teams out. They don't really need to play players. One thing I will say, I, I think we have to mention this is it's, it's not injury related per se, but a lot of people sat him because he's coming off an injury. And oh, yeah, is, Izzy. Izzy, Izzy Abanaconda, man. I feel bad. Like everybody I saw was like, I had Izzy and his like 70 points sitting on my bench. And I'm like, oh, man, that sucks so bad. Dude, I, I, but, I know several. I don't think I knew. I don't think I know a single person who started Izzy yesterday. Yeah, unfortunately for me, that that most of the leagues I play in are, are best ball setups. So uh, you know he's going to score no matter what. But but um, man, what a what an incredible performance by him! I, I'm oh, I'm yeah. a huge Izzy fan, and I'm sad that I was I was probably a year early on him because I was really touting him last year. I kind of backed off a little bit, and and I would say rostered him less this year mm -hmm. but i i am really happy to see that guy uh show out because he is he's he's a really freakish athlete izzy is finally getting busy no doubt man he is he is putting on a show Alrighty, before we get into the rest of the show here you guys know what i gotta do gotta give the spiel if you're watching this on youtube make sure you like comment and subscribe down there below and you guys have been doing a really good job about that recently so thank you guys very very much and if you're listening to this on podcasts make sure you leave a five-star review and if you are on apple Podcasts, go ahead and leave a written review um again love reading those from you guys whenever you do drop them down uh other thing i want to throw out here real quick I have put out a survey on Twitter. It is a very, very short survey, but it basically just kind of runs through and it asks some simple questions about chasing the natty. Uh, just to give you an idea of the kind of questions, again, I ask you about like how often you listen to the show, where did you hear about us, things like that, but also like, what do you like about the show? What do you not like about the show? Uh, what do you think something we can prove? What's something, we, uh, what's something that you want to see less of on the show? Um, just very simple questions like that. I don't have to give a, a super long answers or anything. I did this last year and it helped out a ton in regard to 
making some changes in the second half of the season that people seem to really appreciate. And so I'm doing it again this year. It's kind of a mid-season checkup with everybody and really appreciate you guys if you can go out and do that for us real quick. And again, um, as always, we are part of the CFF team here at Campus Canton. It is myself, Nate Marquise, Brandon Sanders, and Chris Moxley, as well as our DFS gurus and Ethan Sowers and Chris K. We got podcasts, we got articles, we got CFF weekly rankings, everything you guys need for your CFF needs. Whether you are playing it in a regular CFF league or if you're playing in a Campus Canton league, we're here to help you out as much as we can. Make sure to go check out all of the other awesome podcasts on the Campus Canton uh, feed. Tons of great stuff for, the, for you guys there. If you can't find something that you don't like there, um, quite frankly, you're not looking hard enough. So with that being said, let's get into this freakout scale. We got four players we're going to talk about here today. Two running backs, a wide receiver, and a quarterback. Nate, first guy we're going to talk about here is Mr. Deuce Vaughn. And... Man, it is a it is a hard knock life out here for Deuce Vaughn right now. Mostly because we all kind of thought about it before the season started about the idea that Adrian Martinez would be a nuisance in terms of vulturing touchdowns away from him. And then he started off uh, Vaughn started off pretty well to start the season. Had uh, one game with one touchdown. Uh, next game he had two touchdowns. We're like, okay, maybe this isn't so bad. He has kept. Uh, He's kept 20-plus touches pretty much uh, every, um, the rest of the way through. And then, all of a sudden, four games in a row, he has not scored a touchdown. There is just not touchdown opportunities for him like we have gotten in the past. Leading up to the very disappointing performance this past week where he only scored 4.7 fantasy points against Iowa State. Nate... Where are you on Deuce Vaughn and what, like, where are you on the scale? And also, quickly remind everybody, I forgot to mention, quickly remind everybody what the scale is. Oh, sure. Yeah. So, freakout scale, just basically checking the temperature of, of, a, of a player on a scale of one to 10, one meaning you are, you have no worries that, that this guy is, there's no reason to freak out whatsoever. And 10 being worst case scenario, and that you just need to, absolutely drop that guy and, and obviously you know somewhere in between with uh you know like a a five or or so you're looking at making a backup plan and then once we get in that seven to eight range we're talking about not only are we wanting a backup plan but we're not even considering starting this guy in, until we see otherwise so that's that's kind of what what the scale consists of as far as deuce vaughn goes um he's an interesting case he's somebody that I think when we did our initial rankings in the off season, I, I was probably, I think I was the only one that did not have him in, in my top five our top five of the running backs. And that really was because of the Adrian Martinez factor and just how much he likes to run the ball and how he likes to run the ball around the goal line and that type of thing. And Vaughn, this is kind of similar to what we talked about with Braylon Allen last week. It's this is not a player we're dropping. This is probably yeah. not even a player that you're benching right now. He's still productive, but same level he produced last year. And we're just not, we're just not seeing that so far this year. Um, I would probably have him somewhere around a four. He's still getting enough touches running the ball. The, the big issue is, is that, Martinez 
if he doesn't like his first read, he takes off running. Yeah. Whereas before, Deuce Vaughn has always been that outlet. If the quarterback doesn't like their first read, they then pass it to Deuce Vaughn. Mm-hmm. And we've seen his targets. I mean, he's only had one game over three targets this entire season. So uh, there's two. Seen... Oh, okay. I thought he had uh... – oh, two games. So, it's, yeah, so he's got he's had a couple – he's only had one game where he's actually had significant targets. This is true. Um, and – and that's that's been, I think, the biggest difference. And what, and obviously the touchdown, you know, touchdowns have gone down this year as well. So uh, I think we're looking at a guy that's more in that 16 to 19 point range consistently than we are a guy that was getting you 25 points a game last year. Yeah, because yeah, again, like if you look at it, what he's done so far this year, he's had double digit fantasy points in half, at least in half PPR uh, formats in every single game except for this past week. And a lot of people will probably be thinking like, oh, God, like, is this last week indicative of what's to come? No, Iowa State's defense is very, very good. They held Kansas to 14 points. They held Kansas State to only 10 points last week. Like, that's a very good defense he went up against. Couldn't find the end zone. That's what you needed to have a good week out of him there. Um, it is very concerning that we've gone four weeks and he just hasn't found the end zone, despite the fact that he, again... He has had two games in the last four weeks that are over 100 yards. Four out of the six games so far this year, he's been over 100 yards. He has the volume and everything. It's just the touchdown opportunities have gone away. That has to balance out at some point, right? Like you, yeah. like There's no way he continues to go the rest of the season without scoring touchdowns. He's yeah. going to have good weeks for you moving forward. I am with you, Nate. I'm going to put it at a four. I might lean a bit more towards a three. I think it's enough to where it's like if this continues to be a problem to where he's only getting a touchdown once every like three weeks, then yeah, yeah you're going to start wanting to look for a backup option. You want you want guys who score touchdowns as much as I'm definitely in a scenario where my guys refuse to ever score touchdowns, it feels like. <laughs> I, I think the good thing for Deuce is, is that after the – they have a bye week. After that, they've got TCU and Oklahoma State coming up. Those are offenses – that can really kind of push the tempo and score points. And that's what we want. We want that shootout potential. Iowa state just doesn't offer that. Uh, They're not going to get into shootouts. So I, I I think that we're coming off of a bad week and and people may want to freak out, but I would say don't freak out yet. Um, I think, I think there's better, there's better weeks coming for him. All right. Moving on to our second running back here. We got to talk about Jordan Mims running back out of Fresno state. This has really less to do with Jordan Mims as a, talent per se and i guess more as what did i do with fresno state in general this offense just doesn't look the same without jake hayner i think jordan mims the first couple of weeks could really take advantage of the fact that everybody wanted to focus on the passing game of fresno state but now they don't really have that anymore they can key in on jordan mims and he has been stuck in the 9 to 11 point fantasy range pretty much ever since in this past week a lot of his uh stuff kind of came through the receiving game rather than him rushing on the ground he's had two weeks in a row of sub three yards per carry definitely very concerning i would say i'm more concerned with jordan mims than i am with deuce vaughn i would say really until hayner comes back and i don't know when hayner comes back i've heard some people say that this could be a longer-term injury, but I've also heard some people say that it, he could be back in the next week or two. Regardless, as far as I'm concerned, Mims might be a guy that I am putting on the bench. Until then, maybe spot-starting him here or there, depending on the matchup. 
but he didn't really do that well against UConn. If there's a spot matchup, UConn is it. I don't know. I'm putting him right here at about a six. What do you think, Nate? He's a seven for me. Until we until we see Jay Kaner come back, he's absolutely on my bench. Um, I, it's a situation I compare this to, to Oklahoma as well, too. I, I don't know that there's two quarterbacks in the country more important to their team's offensive success than Dylan Gabriel and Jake Hayner. And we've seen that the last two weeks, it's a totally dysfunctional offense with the, with, with Fife and Bevel back there. And it's to the point where it's difficult to start anyone at all on that offense, not let alone the quarterbacks don't, don't even start the quarterbacks, but the, yep. the rest of the offense is a problem too. So he's a bench for me until, until Hayner comes back. Which is unfortunate because he had such a great start to the season. He looked like he's he, was be, he, he was an absolute stud. And then now scoring opportunities have gone away. People have keyed in on him. Like I said, he's going sub three yards per carry at this point. It's yep. not a good situation overall for him. No doubt. Let's move on to our next player here. We're going to a wide receiver. And we're going to talk about Charlie Jones, Chuck Zizzle, the, our, our man of the year. He was the wide receiver one throughout most of the year. Absolutely killing it. Last two weeks, though, sub 10 fantasy points in two different outings. One against Minnesota, one against Maryland. I feel like people could forgive the Minnesota one for the most part. It's a pretty good defense. Still got 10 targets. Oh, well, couldn't find the end zone. That's fine. But then two weeks in a row... Couldn't find the end zone again, even though Purdue was able to score 31 points. Uh, targets go down a little bit. The first time he has seen single-digit targets this year, and he was only able to catch three of them for only 15 yards. Nate, are you concerned about Chuck Sizzle here? I have a little bit of concerns. He, So I mentioned it last week. I'm, I'm starting to work on an article that is going to be guys that have a second-half regression. Uh, from from their performance in the first half. And I'm kind of bummed that he actually really struggled this week because he was somebody I was already going to put on the list. And now I, I, it's like he's kind of taken away some of that uh, some of that uh, uh, fire that I that I was going to throw out there on that article. But yeah, um, I, he's been banged up. Aiden AOC has been banged up a little bit too. And I think those, th this kind of slide has, has coincided with maybe they're not a hundred percent healthy and Could that's be. what we're looking at. I think we're also getting into big 10 play and defenses in the big 10 and pace of play in the big 10 is simply just uh, not as conducive for big time fantasy outputs. Yep. He's still, he's still the wide receiver one for Purdue in a Jeff Brom system. So I'm, you know, Again, similar to Braylon Allen, I'm, I'm not going to lose my mind freaking out here. Um, but kind of like Deuce Vaughn, I'm, I'm kind of probably in that four range. I'm, I'm just kind of monitoring it and I'm going to see what's going on and, uh, you know, maybe try to stockpile another couple wide receivers on my roster just in case we see this trend continue. But I, I do think he still has some better weeks ahead of him. Yeah, I'm probably going to put myself at a three here again. Lowest targets on the year, no doubt, a little concerning there. It's something to watch closely. If he sees another week like this where, again, he's not the far and away number one wide receiver, probably not as good of a fantasy option as we were kind of thinking he would be earlier in the season. Uh, but again, I can kind of hand wave both of these weeks in certain ways. Like you said, both, of, like, both he and AOC have been banged up. Minnesota is a pretty good defense. Maryland a little less forgivable, but again... 
you're like you said, there's going to be some regression because now people know to key in on Charlie Jones. They they know we should if we're going to win this game against Purdue, we need to take away Charlie Jones. Otherwise, it's just going to make it too easy for Purdue. So, and again, unfortunately, as good as Charlie Jones has been, I don't think he is the kind of elite receiver that can overcome a defense keying in on him. And so that could be trouble for him definitely down the line. Purdue has to be able to prove that they have other options they can dump out to. I think they did that against Maryland. Again, they were able to win with 31 points there. But regardless, definitely a guy that I think we should definitely be watching closely over the next couple of weeks. One more here, Nate. And I'm afraid to send you down a rant here about a certain other player uh, that you love dearly. But we got to talk about Tanner Wardekai, quarterback out of SMU here. 11.5 fantasy points this past week in Sanders scoring formats. Could not. The entire SMU offense could not find the end zone for the life of them. If you started any SMU player this past week, unless you're in a PPR league, you were crying. Uh, Rashi Rice was still pretty good. Uh, again, over 100 yards. Still couldn't find the end zone. Again, the big problem was the one person who scored a touchdown for SMU last week was Velton Gardner, who I don't think anybody has rostered. Uh, <laughs> I, I I started Trey Siggers in one league, and I'm like, you got to be freaking kidding me. That That's supposed, yeah. to, be tra- that's supposed to be Trey such a... Regardless, Mordecai could not get this offense really rolling last week, despite the fact that, again, he had almost 300 yards passing. Uh, but his longest pass was 25 yards, just couldn't really get it going at all. About 62% completion rating. And then late in the game, we saw... The man of the hour, Preston Stone, finally come in uh, and get some playing time. So, Nate, how concerned are we moving forward with Tanner Mordecai? Well, I think if you own Tanner Mordecai, you need to also uh, need to also own Preston Stone. Um, I think you need that handcuff. We talked about it at the beginning of the year that I felt like that handcuff was necessary. This is kind of why. Now, having said that, the staff continues to stick with Mordecai. I mean, Stone didn't come in until very late in that game, so it wasn't like they made a move at halftime. But it is concerning. They've lost three in a row. At some point, does Rhett Lashley say, okay, I'm throwing in the towel on this season. It's time to get the future ready and yeah. and, and turns it over to Stone. I think that's, I think that's definitely a possibility. Um, I'm, I probably, on our, on our freakout scale, I probably put him somewhere around a six. Um, He's still, you know, he still is producing enough that if you don't have a ton of great quarterback options, you could still start him. But you're every time you throw him out there, you risk that at at some point in that game, he is no longer the starting quarterback. Yeah, I'm going a little harsher with this one. And like again, I'm I'm the big Mordecai fan. I, I was the one who kind of maintained that Mordecai probably still wins the job throughout the offseason. But right. I'm I'm benching him. At least in the leagues that I have him in and everything, I can find better options. <laughs> safer options to start week to week guys i know who are going to start i do not and especially in competitive leagues like i'm in right now where i have to win week after week i can't run the risk that all of a sudden my quarterback is going to be benched at halftime any given game if it's not going well so for me i say bench him and if you're if you're really struggling at quarterback Try to find something on the waiver wire and just spot start him at least over the next couple of weeks. See if Mordecai can find his mojo again here. But yeah. for now, I think he's a bench rider. I, I would say the interesting thing with with this 
QB room is that they have a bye week this next weekend. Um, and they played early in the week, obviously, on Wednesday. No, actually, I don't know if – does that count? No, they have – I'm sorry. I'm I, I'm looking at their old schedule, but their bye week ended up being the last week because yes. of the uh, because of the, the hurricane situation. So, okay, never mind. I was thinking – but they do have – because they played on Wednesday, they have extra time to prepare Stone if they do indeed want to make that change. Yes. It was, was kind of my point there. Yeah, definitely something to keep an eye on. Not unheard of at this point for teams to all of a sudden just make a change at quarterback. And I think that is a great segment to go ahead and move on into our waiver wires where we'll talk about our first guy here. Mr. Baron Morton, quarterback out of Texas Tech, rostered on 16% of rosters. This was kind of a shock for a lot of people who were expecting Donovan Smith to be starting for Oklahoma State. Really kind of screwed him. Because at first we were told that Donovan Smith just wasn't playing; he was injured. There was like he he just wasn't going to play, and that's why Morton was starting. But then all of a sudden he starts getting snaps at wide receiver. So therefore, if you started uh, Baron Mort, or if you started Donovan Smith in your QB spot, you started a wide receiver technically, uh, which is really really unfortunate. Like that's honestly probably more unfortunate than even a like somebody just getting injured at halftime. And regardless. Morton comes in, and quite frankly, he looks like what Zach Kittley wants out of his quarterback. Mm-hmm. They were passing the ball all over the field, 62 attempts uh, in this game. He completed 39, uh, 39 of his passes, almost 400 yards, 379 yards, two passing touchdowns. Also, they let him run a little bit. He had 16 runs for 46 yards and a touchdown. Nate... Is Morton the guy moving forward? I mean, he's obviously the guy moving forward, but more importantly, I would say for a lot of people, is between him and Shuck, like if Morton continues to play like this and fits into the system like a glove like he has, do we just roll with Morton? Or is Shuck somebody that we should spot on our rosters and hold on to there in case he comes back? What's going on here with this QB situation? (laughs) I have no clue, man. Um it's crazy. Here we are six weeks into the season. I feel like we're in the exact same spot. We were like three weeks before the season started. (laughs) Um, We've gotten a glimpse. uh, We've gotten a peek behind the curtains that all three of these quarterbacks, all three of them have made a start. I was just going to say, it has the feeling from the staff that they have, that they have turned the page on Donovan Smith. I don't know. I don't know what changed. They said that his shoulder was at a point throughout the week that he was unable to, throw passes yet they played him at wide receiver even he even threw a pass on a um like a a goal line situation it was almost like he had a package they kept talking about donovan's gonna have a package if he doesn't start that's what we saw was donovan's weird he plays three plays as wide receiver on one play as quarterback uh so it feels like they've turned the page and then you add in chuck who's gonna come back from his injury but I tell you what, Baron Morton looked like what we expected, like we what we've heard of and what we saw from him yep. in some of the spring game. And they didn't hold anything back. That offense was clicking. They were running at a just a, a ramped up pace that they had not been running this yep. season. And they didn't hold anything back. 62 attempts for your supposed third string quarterback. That's not what you do with a guy that doesn't know what he's doing out there. They have full faith in him. I agree. It feels like they've made a change and that offense looked better. It looks more like Zach Kittley than we've seen in a while. I think he's probably the guy moving forward. 
Yeah, and they did this without many of their top weapons. Miles Price did not play in this game. J.J. Sparkman right. did not play in this game. They were missing right. quite a few guys. Jared Bradley finally uh, showed up again uh, on right. the one week I played the under on his receptions because he only played <laughs> 10 freaking snaps last week, and I'm like, there's no way he hits four receptions this week. Yeah. Um, I don't you know, know if that's going to continue when Sparkman comes back, but maybe. We'll see. We'll, but, we'll, we'll see. Yeah. Again, we'll see. But he came back for the one week that I doubted him. So, again, <laughs> that's that's just how life goes um but yeah morton to me is one of the must grabs off the waiver wire this week because you this is a, a some a situation you want to roll the dice on if shuck comes back takes the job back from him whatever you you lose him in a week or two you and, but the weeks you have him are great but what if he holds on to this job there is a right. chance in 84 percent of leagues right now you could be grabbing a guy off the waiver wire that could end up being a league winner down the line if he truly continues to make that step forward and score 30 35 plus points any given week for you i think he's an absolute grab right now yep moving on to our next guy we talked earlier about jalen daniels going down to injury in that game still unsure as to how long he will be out but until then let's talk about the guy who came in for him and that is mr jason bean uh, the mean bean, uh, quarterback out of Kansas past week, scored about 29.88 fantasy points, uh, rostered only 2% of rosters. Makes sense. He is the backup quarterback at Kansas. It ain't nobody wanting to pick this guy up as a stash anywhere. But he had a pretty good, uh, again, he came in and performed very, very well for Kansas. Uh, didn't have the volume you like, only had 24 attempts, but... In those 24 attempts, through four touchdowns. Sounds a lot like what Jalen Daniels has been doing. Sounds like this offense will continue to roll with Jason Bean at quarterback. Nate, what do you think about him? Yeah, it's crazy. We're we're talking about the Kansas backup quarterback as being an option and a very startable option if Jalen Daniels is out because they have Oklahoma next week who uh, can't defend anybody right now. Um, don't get me started. But yeah, it's... And Jason Bean is he's a previous starter at North Texas. Um, he started some for Kansas last year before Jalen Daniels took over. So he's got experience, but he looked comfortable in that offense when Jalen Daniels went out. He looked now he will make some throws. He had an interception in this game that was literally one of the worst passes I've seen uh, <laughs> all season. He will make some throws that leave you scratching your head. But this dude is crazy fast. He's yep. He's in that Mike Wright kind of mold for Vanderbilt. Uh, not a great passer, not going to be super efficient in the past game, but if he gets 12 to 15 carries, he will, he will get you hundred yards. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a good, it's a good time. It, it looks like Daniels might be out for at least a few weeks. So um, I think he's worth a snatch and, and obviously with Oklahoma coming up on the schedule next, it's, it's a pretty viable start. Yeah, I would say, like, and this is a, just me talking about our quarterbacks in general. This to me is a very good week for quarterbacks off the waiver wire. You got a lot of guys here who are not rostered in a whole ton of leagues. And I think if you are struggling at quarterback, this is the perfect week to grab one of these guys. We only have four that we're going to really dive into, but any of these four I think are legit options kind of moving forward here. Um, let's move on to the next one here. This guy's rostered in only 1% of leagues here. So even if you're in the deepest of deepest, this guy is probably available wherever you're looking. Let's talk about Cooper Lega, Utah State quarterback. Like I said, rostered only 1% of leagues. Nate, 
was Logan Bonner just a problem the whole time for Utah State? Because that offense looked awful the first couple of weeks. Nothing like we wanted to see out of Blake Anderson. And now Cooper comes in after they finally kind of threw the towel in on Bonner. He, I believe, is basically retiring from football at this point. They're moving forward with Lega. And this offense looked like it used to. Brian Cobbs is getting fed every week. They have their number one wide receiver that they're feeding every week. Uh, they're scoring points. Um, Cooper Lega has scored 26 and 30 points these past two weeks. He can run a little bit, which is something that we mm-hmm. haven't really seen a lot from Blake Anderson and quarterbacks in the past. He's had 52 and 76 yards in the past two weeks, as well as a touchdown in each one. What do we think about Lega? So I think you... I think you touched on it there. His ability to run makes up for their poor offensive line play that they've had this year. I think two things were happening that was causing their offense to struggle, poor offensive line play. And Logan Bonner just simply was not healthy. Yeah. And uh, that's a problem when you've got a statue quarterback with a bad line and isn't, isn't uh, able to pass the ball the way he'd like to. So uh, yeah, I mean, he's got 30, 33 rushing attempts the last two games. So he's athletic enough to get out of some bad situations with the offensive line may put him in. And it's, um, it's, it's an offense that we were all looking forward to investing in at the beginning of the season. So maybe they're back on track and you know, what will else help get back on track is that they have Colorado state and Wyoming for the yep. next two weeks. So it looks like he's comfortable in this offense and, and Brett Anderson is catering to his abilities and that's a good setup moving forward. Yeah. Again, I, I really like this guy. I, I really like Lagan moving forward. He's got several years of eligibility if you're in a dynasty league or anything like that. Um, like I said, he just looks like he runs the system that we've been wanting to see all year. He is providing us the fantasy asset that we want. I think he is 100% worth a look, a look at for you guys moving forward. And also, we saw last year, Utah State got better as the year went along. Maybe we see kind of the same thing this year, especially now that they've made the switch at quarterback. And as he gets more and more reps week after week, it could be a legitimate asset down the line. We'll see. Yep. Last quarterback we're going to talk about here. This man is somebody that a lot of us kind of pointed to as like, hey, there is every everything goes right for him. He could be an incredible asset for CFF. And we're finally seeing it, as far as I can tell. We're talking, of course, about Shavon Cordero. Quarterback out of San Jose State, the transfer from Wyoming, rostered only 25% of leagues right now. Past two weeks, we have seen 30 fantasy points and 40 fantasy points out of him. We're seeing what we've been wanting to see. First of all, they've started chucking the ball around a whole lot more. He um, has um, seen passing attempts of 37 and 27 the past two weeks. He has been throwing touchdowns, but even more so... He is also running the ball quite a bit. 11 rushing attempts and 14 rushing attempts the past two games, both of which include goal line carries in which he has gotten plenty of touchdowns out of. He's gotten four rushing touchdowns in the past two weeks. I like Shavon Cordero quite a bit here, especially as they move into Mountain West play, where, again, it's a conference where a lot of points are scored once these guys started playing, start playing against each other. What do you think, Nate? Yeah, Cordero is is actually really interesting. I'm surprised that he's he's not owned in in enough leagues at this point. That's kind of crazy. He's he's proven enough to where he should he should have been owned. I I would like to, I I will equate him to G5 Spencer Sanders. It's he's he's up and down throughout the season, but at the end of the year he's put up good stats yep. and he never seems he never seems to run out of eligibility. 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's still got another year left. Um, but yeah, I, I think that this Brett Brennan offense at San Jose State is one that I talked about before the season that I think you can buy low and there are some really good assets there mm-hmm. and they are going to overperform expectations. And I think we're starting to see that this year, especially as they get into conference play. I think there's a really good chance he becomes a, a QB one for a lot of rosters. Yeah. Probably not the QB one, like uh, our friend Ethan Sowers, uh, his hot take <laughs> earlier before the season. But I, hey, again, I've always liked right. Cordero in this offense. So I think, I think we're finally seeing what a lot of us were kind of seeing before the season started. Yeah. All right. A couple honorable mentions I want to throw out here. First of all, Nathan Rourke. We talked about him last week. No need to really kind of rehash all that again here, but he's still under 40% roster. I just want to throw him out there. He's still available in a lot of leagues. He has proven himself to be a true Maction quarterback for this year. Go ahead and pick him up. And then two guys, very similar situations here that I think are worth an honorable mention. That is Brock Doman out of Louisville and Malik Hornsby out of Arkansas. Both of these teams are going into a bye this week, so there is a decent chance that they both have their starting quarterbacks, Malik Cunningham and KJ Jefferson, by the time week eight rolls around, which is when they next play. Uh, But even still, I would keep an eye on both of those guys. Keep an eye on those situations. If you have room on your roster, maybe stash them just in case they um, have to start again. Because if they they have to start again, they're both dual-threat guys going up against uh, teams that where they can absolutely take advantage of it. I would say that. Nate, uh, anything you want to say on any of those honorable mentions real quick? Just invest in Ohio. Yeah. Ohio's Ohio's offense is incredible right now. Oh yeah. And they give up a lot of points. And invest in Ohio, quarterback, running back, wide receiver. Yeah. We will we'll definitely we will definitely get into a little bit more of Ohio's uh situation here. But first, let's go over to the running backs here. We'll try to pick up the pace just a little bit here for you guys. But first things first, we're gonna talk about another Maction quarterback here. We're gonna talk about Clyde Price, uh running back out of Akron, rostered only one percent of rosters. We've talked about in the past, you want the Joe Moorhead running back one. He is known for just pounding the hell out of their number one running back. It is kind of shifted between several guys. It was Joselle Noros, then it was Cam Wiley. Now Clyde Price kind of looks like he is the guy right now with the other two banged up right now. Last two weeks, uh, 23.7 fantasy points. Last week, 27 fantasy points is seeing a ton of work in the receiving game as well. Four and six, tar- 10 targets over the last two weeks and plenty of touchdowns to go around for him. He has scored five touchdowns the last two weeks. Nate, what do we think about Clyde Price here? I think he's uh, he's somebody that I started paying attention to last week and then he followed it up again this week. Wasn't efficient by any means. No. But like you mentioned, the volume is there. Uh, this is... This is a Joe Moorhead offense. If you guys liked what Travis Dye did for Oregon last year, you're going to like a Joe Moorhead offense because that was his that was his offense. So he's getting involved in the pass game, which is really nice to see. Um, yeah, I mean, I you know, this is they're not going to be great, but the volume is there to carry uh, and make them, you know, fantasy relevant a lot of weeks. Same with yeah. DJ Irons, you know. And again, they're they're a perfect matching team. They're terrible. 
but they'll find ways to score pretty much any given week. I don't think yeah. I, I think Joe Moorhead has gotten this offense to a point that this isn't quite the Akron of the past where it's like, oh God, they could they could put up less than ten points any given week. Right. I think they'll find ways to score multiple touchdowns any given week. So Yeah, they're they're and high average, price would be a big part of that. Yeah, they're averaging thirty two points a game their last two games in, in Mac play. So yeah, exactly. it's, it's there's there's a, there's potential here for sure. All right, moving on from a system that loves to run the ball, but now we're going to talk about a running back from a Mike Leach system at Mississippi State. We're going to talk about Dylan Johnson, at, rostered at 26% of leagues right now. Nate, this feels backwards. What are we doing with a running back out of a Mike Leach system? It's it's kind of crazy, but he's... He has produced some pretty fantasy relevant running backs during his during his time at, at Texas Tech, at Washington State, and now at Mississippi State. And I think, and obviously the the problem we had is that they were split here between yeah. uh, between him and Marks. And I think Dylan Johnson is the better the better player. And I think Mike Leach is starting to to take note of that as well too, and and has kind of shifted in his direction as well. So. Um, it's hard to guess what weeks are going to be the big weeks, but there are some blow up weeks here and you always have that nice floor. If you're in a PPR league where he's going to get you, you know, five or six catches. So I I think that there's, there's a viable, um, running back option here in this Mike Leach system. Yeah. And that's what I was going to tell people here real quick is that this isn't even a running back for Mike Leach that is dependent on that passing obviously it's a nice bonus at this point over the last two games 14 attempts 17 attempts he's hit he had 100 yards this past week against arkansas he's getting touchdowns on the ground he's getting opportunities every week near the goal line definitely frustrating for us will rogers managers but regardless like if you're a will rogers manager maybe you go pick up this guy and just try to try to monopolize the the points that mississippi state scores every week yeah, that, that's. I think that's actually a legit play. It's it's a weird stack, um, the QB running back stack, but it's definitely an option. I mean, with Mike Leach's last year at Washington State, um, Matt, uh, what was his name? Uh, Max uh, Borgie. Borgie was the uh, was the running back that you could stack, and it was like if you had the quarterback and the running back, you were almost essentially getting every touchdown that they scored, and they yep. score a lot of touchdowns. So you still got to keep an eye on what 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 kind of workload uh, Jaquavius Marks is getting, but it looks like um, this trend is is that Dylan Johnson is getting an increased workload. Yeah. Moving on to our next running back here, this is a man that I did not keep the faith well enough, and Mike Bainbridge definitely called me out at his Discord about it because he noted the fact that after this man blew up this last week that I dropped this man in a dynasty roster after a couple of weeks of him not really doing much to start the season. We're going to talk about Mike Washington, the running back out of Buffalo, rostered on 11% of rosters. Huge shout out to Chris Moxley, who basically was the first man to really get in on Washington and really kind of let everybody else know about it. This past week, along with the entire Buffalo uh, rushing attack, it felt like, Absolutely dominated Bowling Green. 16 attempts, 155 yards, and two touchdowns. Just an absolute monster, monster game from him. And again, just really looked like the best running back that Buffalo had to offer this past week. 
And Maction, like I've been saying, it's right around the corner. He's been looking good in the games that he has been playing in Maction against Eastern Michigan, 21.4 fantasy points, Miami of Ohio, which looks like Miami of Ohio has a legit defense for Maction. That's definitely something to keep an eye on moving forward, but he scored 12.7 fantasy points in that game. And in this past week against Bowling Green, 28 fantasy points for him. Nate, what do you think about Mr. Washington here? The nice thing is when we came into the season, it was a three-headed monster that we were trying to, to, to figure out with this backfield. We know it's at least down to two now. It, it's, it's, him and, it's him and Cook, and it, it appears that he is starting to kind of gain that momentum, similar to Dylan Johnson. But Cook's still been very involved. He, oh, was, yeah. he, was, he was still very involved in that Bowling Green game. They won't get to play Bowling Green every week. In fact, they, they don't even play Maction this next week, but it's UMass, so that's good. Um, <laughs> if you can't but, have Maction, UMass have might, be the, might, might be your next best option. That's right. That's right. Curious to see how sustainable this is. He had a 92-yard a touchdown run this past week, so that was a big chunk of that 155 yards and, and touched it, two touchdowns. So, mm-hmm. um, But with UMass coming up, it's either you grab him now or you probably miss the boat and likely is the likely um, way this plays out is he has another good game against UMass. And and so you might as well just go ahead and snag him now while, while ownership percentage is still really low. Yeah. Again, he's available pretty much everywhere. Yeah. So moving on here again, we keep it with the systems. We keep it with the guys that are the lead backs in systems that we love. Let's talk about C.J. Beasley, running back out of Coastal Carolina. Honestly, I'm kind of surprised we haven't really talked about this already, but Braden Bennett, down at the start of the year, still hasn't come back with a mystery injury on him. I have a feeling I doubt we see him at all this year. And then Reese White kind of killed it for a couple of weeks there, but he's now injured, so who's the next man up? Here he is. This is C.J. Beasley, and pretty much ever since uh, week three, He's kind of been killing it most weeks. Um, he has seen um, double-digit fantasy points every single week. Lowest he's seen was against Georgia Southern, 14.9 fantasy points. Not the greatest day in the world, but every other day, all the other games, 18, 29.8, 25.7 this past week against UL Monroe. You want to have the lead back at Coastal Carolina, especially if the other guys are injured and they're just solidified down to one guy now when they have everybody it becomes a game of all right which back goes off what week Beasley's the only guy they really got right now so I think he is a play any given week what do you think Nate yeah like you mentioned I'm I'm with you it it does not appear that Braden Bennett is coming back anytime soon he's not traveling with the team he's not suiting up anything like that Reese White probably a little bit closer but still doesn't sound like he's quite there yet either. So, I mean, you're probably looking at least another two to three weeks of him being the guy in that backfield. And the nice thing is too, is that even if white does come back in a few weeks, this is still a backfield that's proven that they can support multiple fantasy relevant running backs. So, so I still think there's some value there, even, even when that backfield gets a little bit healthier, but yeah, yeah, I, I think there's big time value for him. Uh, as they play Old Dominion, uh, who's coming up this week. Yep. Again, in Coastal Carolina, again, the very efficient team. Everybody on the team knows how to run the offense. C.J. Beasley should be no exception. Yep. Last running back we're going to talk about here. Um, I'll go through this one pretty quick, but it's Percy Agie Obise. 
Running back out of James Madison. What was good, it? Good job. Good job with that. Oh, thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, Roster in 8% of uh, leagues right now. I was a little disappointed with the start of the season. He had a good game against Norfolk, but then he goes down with injury. He misses a couple of weeks here. And they slowly brought him back against Texas State, but Latrell Palmer got more carries in that game. And so I started really getting concerned about him and the idea that he could be the workhorse back for James Madison moving forward. All of that got put to the side this week when he had 21 attempts for 158 yards and two touchdowns against Arkansas State. Now, granted, he won't be able to do or he won't be able to play Arkansas State every given week. But regardless, the fact that he's already kind of taken over that lead back role again, it definitely is it is definitely something I am looking forward to. I think he is somebody that if you're just looking for volume, if you're looking for a steady Eddie every single week, he is the perfect guy for that. What do you think about Agie Obise here, Nate? Yeah, I'm probably a little bit more concerned with him than you are, um, just because I don't like to see that fluctuation in volume and, and one guy being the workhorse one day and then him. Well, but, again, he was he was injured for a couple of yeah, weeks there. Yeah, if he if he was a little banged up, then that makes a little bit more sense. Um, but yeah, this is a high powered offense, and you want you want pieces of it for sure. They're 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 actually ranked now. Um, they're undefeated. And they are scoring some serious points. And um, if he's going to be the lead, the lead dog there, then yeah, you, you've got to try to snatch him up and, and hope that this this kind of workload continues. He provides nothing in the past game, so oh, he nothing. needs to, he needs to get you that eighteen to twenty five carries to be really fantasy relevant. Yeah, agree one hundred percent. Honorable mentions at running back here. I got two Mac running backs. We discussed both of, both of them before, so that's what we're going to make a quick here. But one of which Nate and I we're just going to take a victory lap on because man, this guy's been awesome. But first, we got to talk about Samson Evans. Um, God, he is so frustrating because he, it is like you don't know what weeks he's going to pop off, but he will. So if you're just in a, if you're in a deeper league and you need to grab a guy that, especially as bye weeks are coming up and you just need somebody to plug in and you're just praying to God that this is the week that he goes off. Samson Evans and Eastern Michigan is probably your guy right there. And then the better option out of the two is to go grab Sabangura at Ohio. This man has been incredible. And like Nate mentioned, that Ohio offense is kicking. They are scoring points any given week against any of their matching competition. And Sabangura is a huge part of that any given week. Go pick him up right now. Don't make the same mistake again. Uh... Nate, what are your thoughts on Evans or Bangura? I don't know. If I if if we haven't convinced you to pick up Bangura yet, I don't know what it's going to take. So um, I've got nothing to say to you. Just pick pick this man. That that, awesome. that that sounded like such a disappointed father <laughs> tone right there. Like I have nothing to say to you. Uh, that's that's pretty good stuff. Uh, from one nate marquise victory lap to another here let's get ahead and go ahead and get into our wide receivers here and let's talk about your boy nate devontes walker you called this before the season and quite frankly it's a it is a crime we haven't talked about this man already the devontes walker quite frankly is just straight up on fire he is producing no matter who he is going up against the last four weeks liu 14.7 fantasy points UGA, Georgia, 20.1 fantasy points. 
Oh, or University of Ohio, 15.5 fantasy points. And then this past week against Miami of Ohio just absolutely went off. 33.1 fantasy points. Nate, is there anything else you can say really to convince people that Devontae Walker is absolutely a piece moving forward? I mean, I'd be lying to you if I told you I expected this kind of production in in his first year as a starter. Um, but I am happy to be the conductor of, of the Devontes, the Tez Walker train, man. He's, he's a stud. He's so fast. And this <laughs> he's so offense, fast. he's so fast. And you know what? Colin Schley can throw the ball really far. So when you have a really fast guy and a guy that can throw the ball really far, it makes for really, really cool fantasy production. So um, 15 targets last game. Well, I mean, what, what can you say? I mean, that's, that's really all you want to see is volume and, 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 this is an efficient offense. So if you're getting 15 targets from an efficient offense, that's beauty. And they play in their playoff weeks, Bowling Green, Eastern Michigan, and Buffalo. I don't know, man. It's a, it's a perfect setup. It really is. And like the best part about this is, is that Walker isn't taking away from Dante Cephas, who everybody invested in during the offseason. Cephas is still... Uh, is still eating every given week. You you posted in our Slack chat this past week, Cephas and Walker combined for 29 targets, and I think... Um, 32. 32. 32 by 20, the end of the day. 29, yeah. 32 by the end of the day. 32 by the end of the day. They were both just absolutely eating. Um, I guess I took away from Marquez Cooper yesterday. If you played Marquez Cooper, you were not a big fan of that. But even still, like, they these guys are both eating. If you can get both of these guys on the same roster somehow... They're both startable any given week. You don't have to guess which one it goes to. He is he is a to me outside of maybe like Baron Morton. I would say Devontae Walker might be the most important pickup in any league this week. Yeah, I mean it's a beautiful situation there at Kent State. It's what we want, where where you're you know every week who's getting the ball, and it's a high octane offense and. They're actually worse on defense than I anticipated. I, after I watched them play against Washington and Oklahoma and Georgia, I was like, you know what? They're they're gonna sh- they're gonna potentially shut some teams down in MAC mm-hmm. play, and and it's gonna limit the ceiling because they're not gonna be playing in as many shootouts. It that that appears to not be the case. They're gonna play in some shootouts. Oh yeah. Moving on from one MAC team to another, I told you guys we we're gonna talk about this offense even more, uh, but we gotta talk about Wiggles. Sam Wiggles, I don't care if that's not how you pronounce his name. He will be Wiggles in my heart all day long. But Sam Wiggles, the wide receiver out of Ohio, rostered on 3% of leagues right now. This dude has looked really, really good for Ohio the last couple of weeks. Uh, Last three weeks, 11 targets, 7 targets, and 7 targets last two games. Over 100 yards each this past week. He had 7 receptions, 144 yards and two touchdowns, absolutely monster week moving forward. If this is Rourke's top wide receiver with how efficient this offense has been, this is a must-grab right here. This is the kind of guy that you take advantage of in action. We talk about all the time. You you can draft the guys early in the season in order to invest for action, but we always kind of forget about the guys that kind of show up as the season moves along. And this, to me, is one of those guys who is... A potential, I'm not gonna say league winner because he's not that high of a guy, but any given week as Maction plays out, this is the man to look for. What do you think, Nate? 
Yeah, he's produced when when they're not playing P5 competition like Iowa State or Penn State. Um, he's he's absolutely balling out right now. I had this game on in the in the in the background uh, while I was watching some of the other games. I wish I had to turn the volume up to get the correct pronunciation of of how how he says his name. But um, yeah, man, you got to snatch this guy up. Similar to Devontae Walker, that's the offense is just too. They just are going to be in too many shootouts. 55 yep. 34 was what the score was with Akron. I mean, the 50, 15, they gave up 52 points to Fordham. Yeah. They're going to, they're going to give up points. He's going to have to be used. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it. Like they, like you said, when they're not playing power five competition, they're scoring. They have scored 41, uh, 59, and 55 points in three out of their last four games. They're like, the, there's plenty of points to go around for the Bobcats. Next two wide receivers I'm going to talk about here, I'm not nearly as confident in as like guys who start any given week or as like potential CFF guys down the line. But they're in similar situations in the fact that they both are on teams that want to run the ball just down your throat, but they have to have a receiving outlet in order to keep defenses honest. Otherwise, those defenses are going to keep stacking the box against them. And this first one here, Trey Shropshire. Wide receiver out of UAB, injured to start the year, didn't really play a whole ton, but now in these last two weeks, he has seen nine targets in each of those games, has scored a touchdown in both of those games, still being used as a deep threat like we saw last year. I think last year he was at, he averaged like 29 yards per reception. Mm-hmm. This is a guy you could pick up and just kind of throw out there and, again, a little bit reliant on the deep pass in terms of in order to be productive but I think he's definitely worth a look in a lot of leagues. What do you think, Nate? Yeah, he'll be a little bit maddening as far as trying to figure out when his big weeks are going to come um, because you're right. He's very reliant on the big play. He's really athletic. He's got NFL size. He's a guy that could probably will probably make a roster on Sundays. He's 6'3", 200. Um, and they, you're right. They don't throw the ball a lot, but it appears when he's healthy they and they do throw the ball, it's coming his way. So. Yep. Um, he's, he's somebody that's, it's just, it's hard to predict when he's going to go off, but there is, there is potential there. Yeah. And again, I'm just going to move right along to our other wide receiver here. Cause he is in a similar boat in my opinion. And that is, I can't believe the words are coming out of my mouth here. Wide receiver out of Wisconsin, uh, Shamiri Dyke rostered on 2% of rosters Again, you, you, you're probably listening to me being like, Jared, like a Wisconsin wide receiver, are you freaking serious here? A, a little bit, yes, because first of all, he had an insane week this past week, but that's not the whole reason to get him. He has gone two weeks in a row with double-digit targets. I think this is a very similar situation where Wisconsin realized, especially after last week against Illinois, they have to be able to pass the ball to somebody. Otherwise, they're just going to get stacked in the box, and Braylon Allen and Ches Malusi can't overcome that. So, who's their guy they're now going to? It looks like it's going to be Dyke each week here in order to keep defenses honest. He looks like he's performing the best out of Wisconsin wide receivers. Do I expect what he did last week any given week? Hell no. But even still, a guy who gets possibly double-digit targets any given week, that is the kind of guy that I want to look for here. Nate, you look very skeptical right now, but I will give you, I, I, I will let you have the floor on this one. I don't think I've ever owned a Wisconsin wide receiver, to be honest with you, in in 15 years of doing this. Um, are you, how how confident are we 
confident are we that it's pronounced dyke? Uh, not very. I think there's a chance it's DK. DK? I honestly kind of like DK better. <laughs> I don't know. Shamiri DK. Shamiri DK. Um, yeah, I guess maybe in some deeper leagues. The, the nice thing is, is they have Michigan State next week. Yes. And there really isn't a backfield or a secondary that gives up massive points quite like Michigan State does. So mm-hmm. you could justify that move and at least spot start him maybe against Michigan State and Purdue. But that's that's just kind of that's just kind of where I'm at with it. Maybe in yeah. slightly deeper leagues or a spot start if you're if you're really scrounging for a for a wide receiver this coming week as they face Michigan State. Yeah, like I said, I am not super confident in this one. Right. But I figured again, especially the week he had last week, it was at least worth mentioning him here. Speaking of guys, just to mention, uh, Nate, you threw on two uh, wide receivers here for honorable mention. I think you should be the one to explain why they're so important. Yeah, I listed Bryson Green here for Oklahoma State. Um, they're starting to kind of pick up the tempo with their offense. He's been really involved this this past week. Nine targets, five catches, 115 yards, and a touchdown. They've got TCU coming up next, which has some shootout potential there. Um, obviously, they're starting to get a little bit more healthy with, with Bray coming back at wide receiver, but he played. Bray had double-digit targets, and yet uh, Bryson Green was still really effective in this game. He's he's athletic, and he's been making some plays for him. The other guy I wanted to mention was uh, Trey Cleveland, Texas Tech wide receiver. He's taken over the starting position the last two weeks. Uh, he stole that job from, from Jaron Bradley, and the last two weeks he's got 22, excuse me, 22 targets, 198 yards. He hasn't found the end zone, so I think that's probably why his ownership stayed pretty low. But if they're going to throw the ball 60-plus times like they did uh, this past weekend, then there's plenty of volume to go around in that offense. And he's their deep threat. He, he, could, you know, he could potentially break off a couple of long catches and, and be very fantasy relevant. Oh, yeah. The only problem with Texas Tech, though, is it's like it's a, it feels like every time we think we have found that dude yeah. for them, yeah. they completely just shape, they, uh, completely reshape their entire starting totally. lineup the next week. To the point where all of a sudden their quarterback is a wide receiver. So, <laughs> uh, we'll go ahead. We got two tight ends here we'll mention uh, real quick. First of all is uh, Corey Deiches. And yes, I am 100% sure on that one. It is Corey <laughs> Deiches, uh, tight end out of Maryland, uh, 2% rostered. He is a tight end wide receiver hybrid. Had a really good week this past week. He has seen consistent volume each week in terms of targets anywhere from like three to six targets any kind of given week for the most part he is really good about catching the balls that kind of come his way and again this is a maryland team that loves to pass the ball whole round he is barely a tight end very much more of a wide receiver mold and with none of the other wide receivers really stepping up for maryland could be a tiny bit of a cheat code here kind of moving forward for him um again if you're struggling at tight end like i am in some leagues where Again, maybe I, I took on Koontz and Trigg a whole lot. Uh, this is probably a guy that I am probably going to grab off the waiver wire and say, like, all right, you're now my starting tight end moving forward because at least you're getting consistent volume each week. What do you think about Dichess, Nate? Yeah, I'm, I'm in total, total agreement with you uh, on him. They also have Indiana and Northwestern Perfect. For, the next, for the next two weeks. So that sets up really nice for him to follow up on this, this really – solid hundred yard, two touchdown performance with Purdue. 
to continue to keep that momentum going and, and be a, a main a mainstay as a target for uh, for Talia. So um, yeah, I'm I'm totally on board with this. We move on to our second tight end here, the second and last tight end we're going to talk about here today. This is a guy we talked about at the very beginning of the season. Then he went and did the unfortunate thing and get injured. Uh, but he's back now, it looks like. And that is Travis Vokalek, tight end out of Nebraska. Rostered only 16% of rosters. Just throwing this out there for people that maybe weren't maybe paying attention uh, to his injury and everything. As soon as he got injured, they're like, all right, drop him. Don't worry about him. He is back. He has played the last two weeks. In both games, he has seen five-plus targets. This past week, he has seen he saw seven targets, caught six of them for 46 yards and a touchdown. If he picks up what he was doing to start the season, uh, he is going to see plenty of passing opportunity from Casey Thompson. It looks like he will become one of their top passing options for them, especially once they get down near the red zone. Took away all Anthony Grant possibilities last week, which is very, very unfortunate. But even still... You want guys here with the potential to become the their teams at least maybe number one, if not number two option moving forward. So Nate, what do you think about Vokalek here? I think he's a really good player. I think that he is a a big piece of that offense. The only thing I will will basically say pump the brakes on is that after this week with Purdue, they have a bye week, and then they have Illinois, Minnesota, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Iowa. I Ew. mean probably the best defenses in the big 10 outside of Ohio state. I mean, that, that's some, that's a really, really tough stretch oh, where I better start yeah, looking so, for backup plans that trade Palmer then too. <laughs> so just, you know, temper expectations. And if, if you're looking to spot start tight ends, he's, he's probably not a great option in that sense, given the buy and then, and then the really difficult matchups, but he's, he's definitely a strong option for, um, for Casey Thompson right now. And then one honorable mention at tight end. Again, we talked about him already. We talked about him twice already. And again, he went, all he did was just go and have an incredible week again last week. And that is Jatavian Sanders, tight end of Texas. They don't have a number two option right now at wide receiver. Jatavian Sanders has filled that role in exponentially, and, or exceptionally, excuse me. That's the word I'm looking for. And with Quinn Ewers back at quarterback, that passing attack for uh, Texas is looking very, very incredible. And he's going to be a very big part of that moving forward. So if for some reason he's still available in one of your leagues, just go grab him. There's no, don't wait any longer. You have all the information you need. With that, that brings yeah, us to... We, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry, Nate. Oh, I was just going to say, we talked about it last week. He's got potential to be a uh, a top 10 tight end. Dude, he end might be, he's season. on his way to top three easily, yeah, especially CJ Donaldson out now too. Like mm-hmm. Anyway. That brings us to the end of our show now. Nate, really, really appreciate you coming on here today to once again talk about all of these guys. Again, very good week overall, I would say, for picking up quarterbacks. I really like the top end wide receiver options. Running backs, a lot of guys that are good. Grabs, put them on your roster. They're going to give you nice floors, especially if your starters are coming out in the bye weeks these upcoming weeks. Um, And then some pretty decent options at tight end. Is that kind of your main takeaway from our uh, our waiver wires from this week? Yeah, I would, the top end of the wide receivers are nice, and then it kind of drops off uh, drops off a little after that. But yeah, some really nice uh, quarterback options, um, and then and then obviously we highlighted a couple of tight ends that I think are are some really good options as well. Yeah, 
uh, yeah, that brings us to the end of our show. Appreciate everybody tuning in. Nate, appreciate you being on here. Uh, make sure you guys check out the Wednesday show with myself and Chris Moxley, where we'll be doing more of your sit-start questions, putting those out every single week for you guys. I should be putting that out on Monday morning, if not, if not by Monday afternoon. So be on the lookout for that. I'm going to remind you all again, I do have the survey out. It is on my Twitter if you're listening to this. I might pin it to the top of my profile, so that'd be the best place that you're going to go look for it. Again, very, very short survey. Uh, don't have to write a paragraph or anything for any of the questions. Just be real quick about like, what do you like? What do you not like? What do you want to see more of? What do you want to see less of? And just a few other questions in there uh, for you guys. And I'll share it with the other guys here who do CTN with me, and we'll be looking for ways to improve the show. So... With that being said, Nate, do you want to tease anything before we get out of here? Oh, just real quick, got an article coming out here in the next week or so, just uh, talking about some guys that uh, we we could see a regression with, or we could see their uh, you know their production actually rise towards the second half of the season. So, kind of a mid-season report, so to speak. Yeah, and that is going to be absolutely incredible for anybody who is looking to check up on the stock of their players. Be on the lookout for that. Again, really appreciate all you guys tuning in. Um, again, check out the rest of the content at campuscanton.com, and we will see you guys on Wednesday. Really appreciate it, and I hope you all have a wonderful and blessed day.